Kirokutu katoa, me nau mai haurima e te wiki o titaki. It's Ramari, Friday 21st of July 2023 and welcome to the Week in Tax, the New Zealand tax podcast. I'm your host, Terry Boucher. I'm the director of Boucher Consulting, a tax consultancy helping individuals, small businesses and professionals navigate the tax minefield. This week, Inland Revenue releases guidance on the research and development loss tax credits regime. There's progress on the global minimum tax deal, and Philip John Smith is back in the news. Inland Revenue has released a a draft interpretation statement, PUB 00435, on the loss research and development's loss tax credits regime. Now, this is a refundable tax credit available to eligible companies when they get a loss which has arisen from their eligible research and development expenditure. The regime was introduced in 2016 to encourage business innovation and and also to really address New Zealand's poor record of R&D expenditure. According to OECD data, for in, in 2019, New Zealand's spending on R&D was just 1.4%, well below the OECD of GDP, well below the OECD average of 2.56% of GDP. Over the past 20 years, Research and development in spending in New Zealand has been a full percentage point of GDP below the OECD average. So, given that we have also have a poor record of productivity, increasing R&D expenditure is seen as critical in improving productivity and ultimately the the um, strength of the economy. So. That's the background behind the introduction of the lost tax credits regime. Um, it's uh, what it does is it assists the cash flow of those companies carrying out research and development. Um, often in the early years, they're running at a loss, and so um, and hopefully, once the R and D matures, comes to develop, uh, comes into uh, operation, bears fruit, um, they will then have profits coming out of the expenditure but funding that cash flow early years is pretty difficult so instead of carrying forward the tax losses to be used against the hope for future profits they under the regime they can instead receive a payment now um, this is a critical point only companies can receive this this, um, R&D tax loss credit payment critical point here um, and very simply that's because losses incurred by partnerships limited partnerships look-through companies sole traders can actually pass those losses through to the underlying owners anyway and they will often can offset that against their other income so essentially they are already able to benefit from the ability to cash up losses but companies can't do that so hence the introduction of the regime and by the way, this regime is not to be confused with the separate research and development tax incentive scheme, which was introduced in the 2020 tax year. Again, for the same reasons, to try and boost our productivity. 
So um, this uh, interpretation statement looks at the background, summarizes the the rationale for the scheme and how it operates in there. So it's, to me, it's an incredibly important um, regime and a document. Um, a couple of key points about the regime, and you actually can drop in and out of it. You can opt to choose a payment in one year, but not in a, 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 another year. Um, once you have claimed a, a refund, cashed up your losses, it, it, regime, it operates rather like an interest-free loan which means at some time you're essentially required to repay it. And that's generally treated as being repaid by when the company starts making, um, starts paying tax. Uh, obviously, the R&D having borne fruit. Um, sometimes there are, however, there are other circumstances where the credit may have to be repaid earlier when there is what they call um, a repayment event or and in the, on the terminology of the regime that triggers a loss recovery event. Now that typically will happen if there's a sale of uh, or disposal transfer of intangible property, core technology, intellectual property, etc., which is done for either less than market value or uh, the amount sold is not assessable. So it's a capital gain. Um, another situation, and this is actually one where I've been involved with, the company becomes is no longer tax resident uh, in there some very interesting uh, issues arise in that one um, and then the worst case scenario if the company goes into liquidation um, what exactly can be recovered at that point is this moot point but that's a tr that's a, a lost recovery event and then finally and typical uh, not uncommon like our other rules around uh, carry forward of losses and imputation credits there is a loss of the required shareholder continuity. Um, that's, um, in this case, in the case of the loss, um, uh, this regime, the shareholding percentage is 10%. So in other words, uh, there's no breach if at least 10% of the voting interests of the company are held by the same group of persons throughout um, the relevant period. Now, as I said, my view, I, this is a very important uh, regime for improving the, the future productivity of the company. Um, the scale of the spending that's going on to it is quite interesting to see. We can see it's actually had some effect, um, at least in because the inland revenue for, as part of the budget um, produces what they call a tax expenditure statement. Now, tax expenditure statements are a summary of the uh, cost of um, a particular tax preferred um, regime, um, which, like for example, this regime, it's been introduced for specific policy reasons. So, tax expenditures uh, are itemized to get an idea globally of what spending has been going on on sort of tax preferred regimes. In the case of the R&D uh, tax credit, the estimated value of the expenditure for the year to 30 June 2023 is 362 million, a little bit below 1% of uh, GDP. Um, it's estimated for the year to June 2022 that it was 473 million. 
Um, you can see a steady rise since the regime was introduced uh, in 2016. Now, of course, the real measurement, so it, how that plays out, the importance of this regime is, a, is, is critical, as I see it, for the economy. And it'll be interesting to see, once the data flows through, as to whether it has produced a boost in total R&D spending within the economy, and then ultimately does that as that lead on to productivity. So, interesting regime. Um, good to see Inland Revenue give some guidance on this. There's a few hooks in there, it's quite a, so it's well worth looking at if you're thinking about getting involved or trying to make use of the scheme. Um, and as I said, it's um, we will watch with interest to see how it bears fruit. Now, moving on, we've talked fairly reg regularly about the OECD's um, global minimum tax deal, or the pillars Pillar 1 and Pillar 2. And this month, this last week, the G20 met in India. And the Secretary-General of the OECD um, made it, on talking about tax to the OECD, reported that, quote, a historic milestone was reached at the 13th plenary meeting of the OECD G20 Inclusive Framework on Base Erosion and Profit Shifting, um, when 138 members of this inclusive framework approved an outcome statement on the two-pillar solution. Um, in summary, what's been happened is that they've developed a text of a multilateral convention, which will allow jurisdictions to exercise a domestic taxing right over the residual profits of the largest and most profitable multinationals. That's what they call amount A of pillar one. And that will apply to um, multinationals with revenues in excess of 20 billion euros and profitability above 10%. And what will happen is the scope of that taxing right will be, this is quite detailed, is 25% of the profit in excess of 10% of the revenues, if you're still with me on that. Um, the revenue threshold will gradually be lowered to 10 billion euro after seven years, but hopefully um, on following conditional successful implementation of amount A. Um, there's a proposed framework for the simplified reporting uh, application of the arm's length principle, which is key to transfer pricing, uh, for baseline marketing and distribution activities. That's what they call amount B of pillar one. And then uh, the more rule, uh, there's a subject to what they call a subject to tax rule, and, and again with an implementation framework. And this is really for developing countries to update their, bi well, their bilateral tax treaties, um, so to tax intra-group income, um, where some where such income is subject to low or nominal tax in the other jurisdiction. In other words, say um, one country A, it taxes at 20%, corporation tax at 20%, but there's been a shift of charges to another part of the multinational, to a jurisdiction where those, those charges are only taxed at 10% or 5%, whatever, lower. That gives the first country more taxing rights in it key part. The developing countries are very keen on this particular point because they feel that this is where the current tax regime has been almost predatory on the uh, on their tax base. And then there's going to be a comprehensive action plan to be developed by the OECD to 
quote, support the swift and coordinated implementation of the two-pillar solution, uh, coordinating with regional and international organizations. So this is, on the face of it, all pretty much good news, but um, it's interesting to read um, the technical people who specialize in this field, and it's sort of, there still seems to be quite a bit of uncertainty about whether, in fact, they think this whole thing will come to fruit. Um, in the meantime, for example, you've got the lobbying going on in the United States, and it appears now that the U.S. has managed to secure a, a further a delay in the implementation of the Pillar 2 global minimum tax, 15%, until 2026, according to a report coming out of the United States. Um, this is the one that Pillar 2 is the, the key one because it applies to companies with annual revenues in excess of eight, 750 million euros. Um, so that uh, apparently the US Treasury Department has managed to negotiate a delay in the implementation of this. And I think this has got people watching all around the world as to what's going on. It also means that the, in the background, um, digital services taxes, for example, could still be ready to be deployed uh, or introduced by jurisdictions if they feel that the Pillar 2 isn't making enough progress and they, they want to secure their revenues. So with its deal, it's a bit of a shuffling one step forward, maybe half a step sideways and a quarter of a step back. In other words, progress is slow, but they're still inching their way forward on that. And it, it does, does come down to uh, watching what happens in the United States and about the lobbying that goes on. If there's a change of um, presidents next year, that, of course, all bets will be off at that point, I would say. And finally, uh, this week, I'm moving on. The uh, murderer and escapee Philip John Smith, who's been in jail since 1995, apart from the brief time he escaped to Brazil, has now been sentenced to a further two years imprisonment on tax fraud charges. And he was, he's been convicted on dishonestly using documents intending to gain a pecuniary advantage, namely um, several things. Firstly, a application for a small business cash flow scheme, um, then 17 false GST returns and a false income tax return. In total, um, the fraud on all of this added up to 66000 just over $66,000, of which he got fifty-five, just under 53593 and he's been ordered to pay full reparations on that amount. What he did was between October 2019 and March 2020, he registered five companies within the uh, New Zealand Companies Office, and um, the shareholders and directors in these were friends, associates, or third parties unknown to him. And he then he set up and activated my IR accounts for each company. But Inland Revenue was quite quickly on to him, it seems, because in 2020, June 2020, and the scheme with that scheme, small business cash flow schemes, only started operating in April. Um, they uh, picked up the, the regime um, and detected the fraud. So, good, quick work by Inland Revenue, but it does raise a point, also raises a point, which I've had someone else, bumped in, um, an associate I've bumped into this week, was talking about, and that's the actions of the company's office in allowing 
those five companies to get set up uh, is we have a very we have we score highly New Zealand scores highly for ease of business and establishing companies and many times when I'm talking to overseas people they are remarkably impressed or pleased and uh, impressed about how quickly it is to set up a company in New Zealand the question is if the people are setting up using going directly through the company's office website is it a little bit too easy and was the opportunity to pick up Smith's attempted fraud missed at that point by company's office we don't know I mean the AML anti-money laundering legislation we pay in the accounting industry we pay we're subject to that like lawyers so we pay attention to what's going on um, about company and we have to do proof of ID but my understanding is it's a little less um, rigorous when you go directly through the company's office now good work by Inland Revenue picking it up quickly and uh, catching him again but as I said maybe it's time uh, maybe some questions should be asked as to whether in fact he should never have been able to get that far along the line and that company's office um, and should have picked it up sooner and finally congratulations to the football ferns for their magnificent win last night at the start of the FIFA Women's World Cup I was lucky enough to be at Eden Park, which is why I might sound a little hoarse today. Fantastic to experience such a great occasion. Although I have to say those last nine minutes of added time felt like an age. Anyway, congratulations again to everyone involved. That was a magnificent goal, Hannah Wilkinson. And football definitely was the winner on the night. That's all for this week. I'm Terry Boucher. You can find this podcast on my website, www.boucher.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and please send me your feedback and tell your friends and clients. Until next time, kia pātora, have a great day, go the football ferns.